0: Welcome team, it's another day at the Mission Self-Improvement Podcast, and today is a very uh, exciting day because I've got an awesome guest. I have Shannon Ricks with me today, um, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, uh, but uh, the most important thing is uh, therapy, it's good for everybody. Uh, So uh, just to kind of lead in, uh, depression, Anxiety and suicide is at an all-time high. There's no question; mental health has never needed uh, more help. Uh, In fact, prescription of antidepressants are up 400 times compared to 20 years ago. That says something to me. Uh, The population has not grown by 400 times in the past 20 years. So, (laughs) per person, we know that we're we're using antidepressants more. So uh, we'll, we'll hop into therapy shortly, but uh, first of all, uh, Shannon, how Hi. are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're so glad to have you. So to give the podcast kind of an idea, uh, I met Shannon uh, through my wife. Uh, you want to tell the story on how you guys came to be kind of besties? Yes, yes.
1: So we did have In the same theater world. So we were having a karaoke night with people who've done some plays at a particular theater. And we were doing karaoke. And she was right before me in line to put in her song. And she picked Look At Me Now by Chris Brown. Um, And I was like, that was my song. That's the one I was going to put in. (laughs) And, you know, this other white girl who's my age rapping look at me now by Chris Brown. I mean, I felt like that was pretty unique.
0: I mean, that was destiny. The moment really.
1: I fell in love with your wife.
0: So
1: <laughs> I knew from that moment on, we we're going to be friends.
0: That's so. awesome. <laughs> yeah, That's really awesome. Um, and, uh, so I've spent a little time with Shannon over the course of the past year. Um, and one thing that I know for certain is she's an incredible human being. So some of the qualities that I've seen in her, uh, since I've gotten to know her, um, is the fact that, uh, she's incredibly intuitive. She's an incredible listener. Uh, she's very thoughtful of those that, uh, are around her. So as far as mission self-improvement, she fits the bill perfectly. You can tell when someone cares more about elevating others than themselves. That is certainly the case. In fact, if you were to look up, uh, you know, generosity and kindness, I think Shannon's picture would be close to those in the dictionary for oh, sure. Very
1: so, sweet, thank yeah. you. And
0: I, I mean it. Uh, I, I certainly mean it. So let's let's get into therapy. Uh, I, I'm going to read kind of your bio that I read online. <laughs> Uh, yes. Shannon Ricks, AMFT. What does AMFT stand for? Um, okay,
1: that was an associate marriage and family therapist. I'm now licensed. So
0: nice. That was good. You, four years ago. You're nice, nice. Yeah. So I, I already am, am leading off with bad data.
1: You're
0: doing so good. Uh, graduated with a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Liberty University in Virginia. She found a love for helping young people successfully transition from treatment back into independent living. She has been working in the treatment field since 2011 with companies such as Aspiro,
1: Aspiro,
0: Aspiro way off wilderness program, benchmark behavioral hospital, gateway Academy, new Haven and Solstice. Shannon is especially passionate about helping patients who suffer from binge eating disorder and hopes to work with that population for many years to come. Shannon enjoys performing in comedy and musical theater productions She has a passion for cultural diversity and is always actively seeking opportunities for her to expand her horizons. Uh, One of the things that I know you've been doing recently is you've been traveling a lot. Yes. What's what's the most recent place you've gone to?
1: Japan. I went to Japan. Nice. Yes. So fun. Bucket list item. Yeah, I just went by myself and... Um, just spent like 10 days kind of traveling around Kyoto and Tokyo. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. In fact, it's a dream of mine to go to Tokyo, um, and spend some time in Japan. Um, now I I did hear from Carly that you, you actually rented a boyfriend while you were there. I did.
1: I did rent a boyfriend. (laughs) Yes. There's a YouTube video uh, all about my experience, but, um, Yeah. I just thought that was the funniest idea I'd ever heard of, of renting another human being for something, you know, that was not in any way sexual. Right. It just was a very funny idea. And I had to do it, you know, only in Tokyo, only there once. So, yep, I definitely rented myself a boyfriend. That's
0: that's awesome.
1: Just ate udon noodles and went to a photo booth.
0: That's great. I I love the fact uh, that you did that. Uh, Something (laughs) that when I go to Japan, I don't think I'm going to do. Uh, they have, no renting of boyfriends really, for Really? They have yeah. puddle
1: cafes, though, <laughs> and made cafes. Highly nice. recommend.
0: Nice. Um, I. I. And did you get your return on investment? Because, I mean... I
1: mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, I got a hug at the end if that's nice, what you're saying. Nice, so he nice. definitely put out. That's
0: good. Good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so uh, real talk. Uh, as far as a therapist is concerned, getting back to the topic at hand, one of the things when we were talking before you would talked kind of this ideal client, uh, white, female, middle, upper, upper class, 18 to 25, struggling with identity. And like, uh, I, I love what you said, kind of like typical white girl problems. Uh-huh. So that seems very niche. Yeah. Why, why, uh, why is it so specific?
1: You know, I think just the more experience you have, the more you can sp- Specify like the type of clients that you 've been most effective with in the past sure i 've seen my my influence and reach be best received with people typically in that age range yeah which doesn 't mean at all like there 's definitely people outside of that age range that i 've done well with, but that seems to be a consistent population that I do good work with sure yeah
0: awesome uh, it makes makes a lot of sense. One of the things we also talked about is uh, you like the idea of faith identity. Uh, yeah. So uh, can you talk to me a little bit about that, that kind of niche?
1: Yes. So that's a, been a really great niche here in Utah and I'm sure is in some other states, but um, faith transitions and faith crisis. There's a lot of people going through faith crisis when they are coming out of a religion. Uh, there is Oftentimes a lot of trauma associated with coming out of religion because you've been conditioned this way. Your whole life's paradigm and view is one way and then suddenly now you don't believe that way. Now it's like, what do I believe? How how do I come to know, Like, is there a God? Is there a religion for me? And so I love helping guide people to find their own spiritual practices, their own, whether it's religious identity or faith identity or or nothing, you know, and sure. being confident in that. But that's a huge shift to sh- shift for perspectives like that.
0: Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be a difficult transition to make with yourself. So to have somebody to help you through that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, talk about a godsend part part of uh, the uh, <laughs> so, Yeah.
1: Too many people go to the other end of the spectrum, like when they're leaving a religion and then are like, well, screw everything that has to do sure. with with God or values or whatever. Full of faith
0: to atheists. Totally.
1: And And it's just, I want to help people navigate that in a more healthy way to find some middle ground, find their shade of gray, as I like to say.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, So one of the wonderful things about Shannon is her ability to be uh, brutally honest, (laughs) uh, which in my opinion is the only way to be. So as we go through this podcast, uh, give it to me straight. Tell it to me just the way you see it. You got uh, it. That's, that's the only uh, way to be. So uh, first things first, uh, what made you want to be a therapist?
1: So when I was in elementary school, we had a ground duty. Some people had recess aides. And that was the person everyone went to when there was a problem, whether it was you got hurt or you're fighting with your friend, you're not sharing or someone's getting bullied, you would go to ground duty and she would solve the problem. So I was like, that is that is my job. That is what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be that person who fixes the problems. Um, and then when I was 16 and taking a psychology class, I realized that there's, um, more of a career that I could actually get that does the same, the same thing. And that's when I was like, Ooh, I want to be a counselor. I want to be a therapist. Like a marriage counselor sounds cool.
0: Sure.
1: So, so that's, that was one step of it. But then also at 16 and 17, I was in therapy myself, uh, angsty teen for sure. Not getting along with my mom. So my mom would take me to these therapy sessions with like, older gentlemen, um, in, in stuffy suits, you know, in places that were part of hospitals or whatever. And I just felt like I was a sick person being sent there to be fixed. And really like what I think I needed most at that time would have been like who I've essentially become as a therapist, someone young, someone chill, someone like hip like with it you know and so instead of these old people who made me feel weird sure. <laughs> I can talk to my boy problems to the 60 year old dude like what sure. does he know you know he's just gonna tell my mom anyway so I I wanted to be that girl's therapist
0: that makes a lot of sense yeah makes a lot of sense so going back to the recess duty uh, talk about reminding myself of my youth yeah I vividly remember uh second grade I was playing baseball with a bunch of kids and, uh, I slid in the, uh, and there was a piece of metal that ended up cutting me and, uh, I didn't know what to do. I kind of panicked. Uh, and of course the first thought in my mind was I've got an owie, I've got a problem. What do I do with it? Of course the recess duty. Yeah. The recess duty is the person that deals with all of your concerns, all your needs, et cetera great segue. We won't get to it right away, but uh, therapy, that's what therapy is all about, right? It's, it's, uh, you've got something that you can't deal with yourself or don't have the tools in your toolbox to uh, address. Uh, there's someone there to help you.
1: There's somewhere to turn.
0: There's somewhere to turn. And then your other point, I could just imagine a 16 or 17 year old and it's your mom, obviously. You didn't sign up for therapy. Sure. Your mom signed you up for therapy. Sure. Uh, what a, kind of an adversarial feel. It's, sure. it's like uh, this guy's being paid by my mom mm-hmm. to figure out what's wrong, wrong with, with me. me.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, and, and for all the listeners out there, the bottom line is it's not what's wrong with you. We all have issues we all have gaps in our ability to realize our best selves.
1: That's human nature. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So it's not about you being broken, it's not about you being the issue, it's about how can we figure out to better uh, deal with problems in our lives, and how can we...
1: uh, Get more tools in our tool belt.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. so, uh, therapy, one of the reasons why I thought it was so good to you join us on the podcast is, uh, I talk a lot about this happiness house and the foundation of the happiness house is mental health and emotional health.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the way I define those mental health is kind of your, uh, your pregame or your mental, <laughs> mental state at any given time. Okay. And emotional health or health is how you respond. Okay to uh, external forces, what, what your response mechanism. So sure, mental you know. is proactive, emotional is more the reactive. Okay.
1: I, uh, yeah, that's a great definition.
0: So uh, one thing that I believe in is therapy. I think that therapy, when you, like we were saying before, it's for everyone. So why is it, if it's for everyone, why do you think it's had such a bad rap?
1: Yeah, yeah, why... Why there's so many people who are so afraid of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few reasons. I mean, think about how therapy got its start or like in the beginning times when it was people were getting sent to like mental institutions, right? Cause like f- for bad reasons, for sure. no reason at all. They were You're sad.
0: You're like, crazy.
1: Oh, this person's crazy, yeah. right? Or like, I'm going to do a lobotomy on this person because they're sad. Like terrible sure. thing. Sure. Sure. Um, And, and then even since then, there's been a lot of, um, it's a very experimental science. And there was a lot of experiments done in like the earlier 1900s that were super harmful to people, to animals. Um, yeah. Where people, you know, died because of it and stuff. So I just think already it was like, Oh, only the craziest of the crazies go to therapy. So like, I'm not real crazy. Like I'm staying away. They'll send me to a mental institution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. And, and honestly, we, we still get pop culture things that pop up that talk about the history of, uh, you know, mental sciences, uh, like three identical strangers Sure. on sure. Netflix. I mean, the organization, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, kind of a high level view, uh, a mental health experiment in which they separated triplets at birth, put them in different socioeconomic situations, and then periodically throughout their youth, without any of their families knowing or them knowing, doing interviews to see how they responded, whether it was Uh, born into them or it was through uh, life experiences that they had different issues. Yeah, the
1: nature or nurture debate. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So it was a fascinating story, but using humans as test subjects. So uh, what I would argue, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that state is not today. That's no, that's not, no. that's not therapy today.
1: No, it is so, it's very challenging to get research approved because there are so many things to make sure that no one is harmed. If there's any chance for harm in it, then we, we don't touch it kind of. Sure. Do you no know harm is, is the bottom line.
0: <laughs> it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, uh, you know, animals being experimented on in crazy ways. You're not going to be sent to a mental institution uh you gotta choose your own therapy experience. Kind of like uh Shannon, you're s- super niche with a mm-hmm. it turns out not everybody that needs therapy is uh young to middle-aged sure. or 18 to 25-year-old right. uh white girl problems. Right. But uh it doesn't matter what your issues are, there's someone out there for you.
1: Who you are their niche.
0: Sure. You are
1: their ideal client.
0: So uh I love the thought that today, you know, you've got these millennials, you've got this younger generation that's very much uh that likes to embrace transparency. Yeah. Put everything out there where alternatively, historically, uh you've got these boomers uh so for those of the audience that don't know what a boomer is, it's kind of a new pop culture term referring to any older generation that pushes old school thinking on some someone in today's generation, those ideas on them. Um like the phrase, when I was young, this is X. Like, it's a it's a very boomer thing to say. Suck
1: it up, don't cry, be a man. Yeah, all of that. All of those very things. Boomer to say. Uh
0: so so the boomer versus the uh the millennial mentality. How has that contributed to making therapy kind of more approachable?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because I think in, in that day and age, there was a lot more of this have to keep up with appearances, um, not wanting to be vulnerable. Right. I think kind of exactly what you were saying, like where vulnerability, even the generation younger than us, vulnerability is more of a thing for them that's seen as a strength rather than a weakness like it may be seen to our grandparents might see vulnerability as a weakness um but but i do think in the baby boomer age if you think about you know how old those people are whether they or their parents were in like the great depression let's say and so they had kind of other issues to worry about they were worried about keeping their family alive keeping food on the table so they weren't kind of worried about I'm, it seems to me like they weren't really worried about their mental health unless it was so severe. Sure. Right. I mean, so... And it's th- like
0: who who cares about how uh, J- Johnny, uh, how oh, his feels. feelings when you're struggling to put food on the table. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so as we've come away from that, as, a, as we've become more affluent, um, I just think we have almost the luxury, I guess, of being able to look at our feelings and be introspective about that.
0: Sure. Sure. That's interesting that you say that. So uh, Maslow hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's broken down into a few. And the idea is there's needs that everyone needs to meet at, at the very base. We're talking... It's
1: a pyramid. So picture a pyramid.
0: Yep. So the, bo- the base is physiological needs. It's the food, water warmth, and rest. If you don't get one of those things, uh, you are not going to live, right? So those are the essentials. The next level is safety needs. You need security. You need safety. The next level is kind of this belongingness and love needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know,
1: relationships, sure.
0: Intimacy, all part of that middle section. Then comes esteem needs, How you manage your self-esteem, and then Mm -hmm. self-actualization, which is the top, which isn't necessary, but achieving one's
1: potential—sure,
0: whether it's your creativity, whatever it is, your potential—it's how you sharpen the saw in your life.
1: Put the plus on the A.
0: Sure. The Boomers were focused on the base.
1: Yeah, I mean, just providing—they
0: had to to be—and—and then those uh, Millennials nowadays. They're focusing on these, like, upper levels.
1: Right. I see a lot of esteem needs. I mean, self-esteem is something that us millennials seem to care about. Whereas, that's something kind of silly for us to worry about in, you know, my parents' or grandparents' perspective. Sure. Yeah, but self-esteem is a big need for the young people. Or that's how we see it. We see it as a need because all of our other needs are met.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I was having this conversation... Uh, with my grandpa, and it wasn 't too long ago it was a few weeks ago and One of the things he talked about was uh, millennials, this generation of being lazy, uh, being uh, not having kind of a work ethic, uh, needing a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about it never before has the world seen such a like unproductive uh, generation. Mm-hmm. Why do you suppose that is?
1: Um, I I mean, it, it seems like there was maybe a rubber band effect where it went from one end of the spectrum to the other where, yeah, people were caring so much about their needs that parents were now like rescuing their kids, right? And like being being very uncomfortable when their kid's uncomfortable. Like they can't be okay if their kid's not okay. Oh, they're crying. Let's wipe the tears. Like, oh, your your feelings, let's stop the world. Helicopter right? parents.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. So it almost seemed to have this rubber band effect where there was probably a lot of um, accommodation made that maybe didn't need to be made, but we were just so worried about people's feelings because their parents weren't at all worried about feelings, right? Sure. So there's almost this rubber band effect in society that I'm seeing.
0: It's, it's almost like, uh, we, we need a little more rub some dirt in it. We, you hear a lot about uh, every kid getting uh, participation medals. It's almost like you need to fail in order to actually be, uh, well equipped to handle life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, There's certainly a gray area there that I'm hoping like the younger generations figure out more of that, more of the gray, but yeah, where their kid can, can fail and be okay. Where the kid can feel embarrassed and that's okay. Sure. Be comfortable with discomfort, be comfortable with boredom, things like that. I think I'm hoping, yeah, the next generation is better at than, than we are.
0: Yeah. I, I certainly agree and one other thing that we discussed was this idea and you had mentioned it briefly is this idea of vulnerability uh, one of the reasons why therapies had a bad rap some of the some of the people that needed therapy the most are the people that are the least vulnerable, vulnerable.
1: yes it's absolutely true um, right cuz I, shame I I believe that shame is what drives depression or like what keeps depression as more than just a situation um, that keep, makes it chronic is shame. And shame can only continue to live when it is kept in secret. So the way to get rid of shame is by being vulnerable, like open with people about problems and the things you're most ashamed about, which feels very counterintuitive. Sure. But that's the way to heal from it. It breeds connection. Wow. So, yeah.
0: That's That's gold. I hope everyone... Replays that segment because uh, that is so true. Uh, let's dis. Let's let's get rid of shame, and let's make it okay to talk about our issues. Yes, uh, please. Yeah, yes, please. Any organization that's trying to help people, they start with acknowledging that there's an issue. Alcoholics Anonymous: the first step is saying uh, your name and I am an alcoholic. Sure. Uh, it 's a huge step is acknowledging that there's opportunity for improvement yes, so uh, we 've talked about all the uh, the problems with historical therapy. Yes, why do we need a therapist today
1: uh, i think and maybe maybe need is is a stronger word i think I think anyone could benefit from having a therapist, whether it 's um whether it's some small issue that's like, "Oh, I'm not getting along that well," like or we keep running into this problem with my spouse, right that's maybe more su- more small problem versus ones that are chronic debilitating mental health issues, um, but there's always room to improve, right and if you can find someone who can help facilitate that and make it make you achieve your goal like more efficiently sure then. That'd be great. Awesome.
0: Right? Awesome. So uh, I, l- let me break down break this down a little more. Uh, so therapy um, is, is something that certainly can benefit everyone, but maybe there's an opportunity to distinguish between need for a therapist versus like a life coach okay. or a mentor. Um, so we can kind of talk about those different buckets. Um, but as far as therapy is concerned, Um, so uh, something that we had discussed is kind of this unbiased, uh, we're looking for someone that's going to be unbiased. Why why can't you just talk to like a family member or a friend?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely emotional involvement. So there's an emotional cloud oftentimes with the, with someone who knows you or knows your situation, um, a little too personally, maybe we'll say, um, and you need some objective. You need someone who's got a really objective opinion on the thing to really see it clearly, to give you good feedback on, oh, this is what I'm seeing from my wide angle perspective. Whereas if you're in it, you have a very narrow perspective, only like yours or your family members on. And so it's, I think it's helpful to get someone, someone else's perspective Sure. who sees perspectives for a living.
0: Yeah. And, and if you're fearful of shame or things like that, man, it's so much, it's so much easier to talk to someone that you don't actually know, right? In uh, some ways, yes. So, yeah, okay. Um, in,
1: some ways it's, in some ways, it's scarier. I think at first it's scarier, but sure. then it's easier.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and uh, an outsider's opinion is always valuable, it seems like. Like, you always want fresh eyes. That's uh, it.
1: Fresh eyes on a... And on someone who's a professional looking for intricacies and patterns and behavioral markers, things like that. But but, so you asked about whether like therapy versus life coaching, and it's it's like people who need therapy or could benefit most from therapy usually have some underlying like um, diagnosable illness or problem that they're facing whether it be like my anxiety is really interfering with my ability to have relationships or my depression is really in, interfering with my ability to work to the best of my abilities That's right, right. And we could diagnose those and those can go through your insurance and stuff like that whereas life coaching you're not going to have anything diagnosable you're not going to go looking into the past it's really very much like situational focused Like you have one specific goal that is, you know, future focused and it's not based on a mental health concern. And that's when a life coach could probably help you achieve those goals if it is the right life coach.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Definitely not all life coaches are going to be good because it's not a vetted it's not a vetted profession yet. And yeah. so you really, Any,
0: anybody can be a life anybody coach.
1: Anybody can be a life coach. There's life coaches all the time on Instagram that I see. And I'm like, I don't think you're 19. <laughs> sure. What? Are, no, like, yeah. but I think finding a, a life coach that's actually good and experienced in the niche that you're needing help in.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the idea that, uh, you know, there's this whole thing. It's called the internet what? that most, most of the listeners are familiar with. You can actually go to Psychology Today, and you can research. You can type in your niche. You can you you can
1: click a button, and it's like narrows down people in your area that specialize in eating disorders, in OCD, like yeah, all of these things. So you can really narrow down.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, The internet has really helped things out, and. So uh, not only people that live in metropolitan areas, but listeners that live in rural areas Mm -hmm. where let's say their niche isn't perfectly addressed or there's no therapist anywhere close. Is there answers for these type of people?
1: Yeah. So these days with, with the internet, um, (laughs) there are a lot more practitioners doing video chats or video sessions. So I think it's better help and (sighs) I've I'd forget the other one. But yeah, there's a couple platforms that like, that, really, uh, I don't know, facilitate those.
0: Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Uh,
0: it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to get help. If
1: you have the if internet. You yep. Yep. If you, uh, if you have the internet. So,
0: so <laughs> uh, if you live in northern Alaska and there's no internet, uh, you um, may maybe just move somewhere else.
1: Maybe calls on the phone.
0: Yeah. No, I think right? phones, I mean, phones we, work then, too. That's yeah, good. Yeah. I like it.
1: And in the, the greatest predictor of, of success in therapy is actually the relationship you have with your therapist. So it's more important that you actually like your therapist and respect your therapist's opinion than it is that they specialize in your niche. That's how yeah. that sounds. But it's true. Like I'm, It's better to find someone you like.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, it seems like in my experience, the people that I really connect with are the people it's so much easier to talk to. Yes. It just goes without saying, uh, whether it's therapy, life coach, or a friend. Yeah. Uh, the easier they are to talk to, it's tangible. Sure. You, you can feel that connection.
1: And I think respect of their opinion, right? Like, I just feel like that one is so huge for me, at least. If I am if I want to value someone else's opinion or going to take into consideration, I've got to Respect where that information is coming from.
0: Sure, sure. So, so to your point, needing to respect that it's so critical that you find the right therapist. Yes. So, so you have the first step where it's like, okay, you can Google uh, a good therapist that fits your niche. Yeah. But the first visit is going to be hyper critical yeah. for you to be able to see if that kind of emotional connection. Absolutely. Uh, it's like dating. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. You're going on first date, and you don't need to, you know, marry the one you go on the first date with. So, yeah, I definitely encourage people to shop around for a therapist. If people call me um, wanting to get in for therapy, like, I'm like, oh yeah, like, or if you have you looked at others, like, I hope you do. Sure, right? Because like,
0: is there a is there a Tinder for uh, the therapist? therapist?
1: There needs to be. <laughs> I wonder how many swipes I would get.
0: That's funny.
1: Oh, funny. Yeah, so. Yeah. I don't know. I lost my job. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: shocker. Yeah. That's, that's my fault. Uh, that's, uh, that's awesome.
1: Oh the, yeah. The first session, yeah, the first about the session. First
0: super session. critical.
1: Yes. And so in that first session, I'm um, making sure that you feel comfortable with like emotionally safe, I guess you could say opening up to this person. I mean, relatively, I mean, as safe as you're going to feel opening up to anyone, but that you're not going to feel judged. You want to make sure that You're kind of vibing with them, that you connect with them, that they get you. You want to make sure that they, I don't know, that they give you hope. I want you to leave that first session with at least a glimmer of hope. If you left my session more hopeful than you came in, I think there's a good fit there. Sure. I think we can do some good work. Absolutely. And if not, I'm happy to give you referrals to someone who fits more of your niche, who I think would be a better fit for you.
0: Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the, you kind of ask your question, these questions, uh, if therapy is right for you, if you come out of it saying, uh, am I motivated to change for the better? Mm -hmm. Uh, did you come out with more hope? Like you're talking about, uh, did you come out with more confidence? Mm. Uh, A lot of these, uh, people that, uh, need therapy may be, uh, really have identity issues. They yeah. struggle with confidence and even being able to get out of bed, let sure. alone uh, connecting with others. Sure. Um, so those are all uh, all super important. So that first visit and recognizing whether it's a good fit is hyper important. So let's talk a little more about the life coach slash mentor. Okay. So, so let's say... You don't have some of these diagnosable issues, but it's more like you want someone to talk through ideas. Mm -hmm. You want to accelerate your growth path. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, I think I would argue anybody, that's where you can say everyone should have a mentor or a life coach to give you an outsider's perspective. Sure, You think it's similar as far as... Uh, first meeting up with a life coach absolutely. or mentor. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. It's just, yeah, do you vibe with them? That's super important. Do they get you and your goals? And do they have expertise in your niche? Would be, I mean, would be an added benefit for sure, but more importantly, that you like them. Yeah. And you leave with a little more or something than you came in with.
0: Sure, yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: but you've definitely got to vet your life coaches, I think, more heavily than you do your therapist because therapists do have certain credentialings that they have to go through, sure. whereas life coaches don't. So sure. be even more picky, I think, with life coaches.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So uh, I have been, at, this is patting myself on the, on the back Pat a little away. bit. Uh, I'll do it as humbly as possible. But uh, I have been told I'm kind of like a life coach for organizations that I've worked mm-hmm. for. And the idea is that uh, my niche is kind of, Business development, people development mm-hmm. within a professional setting. Yeah. Uh, so I love coaching and helping people develop their competencies to accelerate their growth. Yes. Now, I don't have any letters behind my name.
1: Right. But I would hire you. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would hire you. Uh,
0: you can find someone in your life that you respect, that you have seen they have overcome issues themselves. You know that the product they provide you is going to help you achieve your goals. So that's one of the things that you need to be introspective about is the person that's mentoring me, are they going to be able to do that for me? Sure. So um, regardless of whether it's a therapist, whether it's a life coach or mentor, uh, make sure that you connect with that person and you can see that they're going to provide you the value you're looking for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, therapy. Well Therapy's and I think for everybody. But
1: what's the difference, I guess, between a mentor and what you were describing? Like, I guess th- whether I pay you or not. If I don't pay you to help me sure, with my business, yeah, then yeah, you're a, a mentor. Good, and that's a good question. And I, I pay you for life coach? I don't, I
0: don't know that I have an operational definition, the difference between a mentor or a life coach. Um, and I, I don't know that it matters. Okay. I guess for in my perspective, uh life coach and mentor is someone that wants to help you achieve your goals, yeah. and whether you pay them or not, make sure that they're aligned with you, you connect with them. Um, I mean, life coach or mentor, you probably can you can meet in a coffee shop mm-hmm. it's it's less uh, it's less legal right yeah. there's less legal issues involved things sure. like that it's more informal maybe yep. a little more comfortable
1: yep which um, is what i try and do as much as i can with my own therapy because i don't want it to feel like stuffy therapy i'd sure. like in some ways it to feel like have the chillness of life coaching with the i don't know the professional services of therapy it's t- like right. trying to mush those worlds i guess yeah
0: that's a that's a great quality So, uh, lastly, before we close off, uh, so Shannon practices, where do you, where do you practice exactly? So
1: I have an office downtown Salt Lake. I have an office in Cottonwood Heights, Utah, and then I do video sessions as well.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. That's, uh, very exciting. If you have any questions, uh, for Shannon, uh, feel free to reach out to the mission self-improvement, uh, dot com website with any questions that you might have, or direct them directly to Shannon. Do you have a contact? Yeah.
1: So it's Shannon at better self right now, better self services, um, but re- rebranding. So yeah. it might be something else down the road, but right now, Shannon at better self services. We'll,
0: we'll keep everybody connected, but if you are in the Wasatch front, um, certainly she's an amazing person, would be a great life coach. Uh, for that specific niche, but I think she'd be a great life coach with a lot, a broad spectrum of people. Uh, so so check her out.
1: I mean, especially with, I will say, I'm like, especially good with like eating disorder stuff, body dysmorphia, um, just body image issues, I guess, as well as other types of identity issues, whether that's a faith identity or um, a gender identity. Sure. Um, that, those type of issues are certainly... More of my niche. So
0: great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely amazing to have you.
1: Yeah. It's so fun to talk with you. Yeah.
0: You're, you're uh, a breath of fresh air. So thank you. Uh, a closing note um, therapy has helped me through the toughest times of my life. Uh, I myself uh, was married for close to eight years. Uh, and regardless, Uh, It's a struggle coming out of divorce. Um, I've ran into bouts of depression and anxiety. Um, Therapy uh, and help for those that need mental and emotional help when they don't have a place to go is incredible. Uh, These people that are out there, their mission really is to not just improve themselves, but to improve those lives around them. So Shannon being one of those people, it's, you can see it from a mile away that they want to help you. There are resources out there to help you. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I can tell you that because of my therapist, because I had people to talk to, it gave me hope when I thought there was none. Uh, And whether it's a life coach, whether it's a therapist, uh, find someone that can help you see may be your gaps or opportunities to improve uh, from an outsider's perspective. Uh, as usual, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, have a great day and we'll be talking very soon. Go team.